I would like to introduce those of you that maybe don't know Gary, or maybe you haven't been able to put the name with the face. Um, this is Gary. Hello. <laughs> He is going to be uh, sharing a message with us that I know, I believe it was in December, right? Yeah. You shared yeah. a very similar message at, um, at YG, the, 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 the church there for the younger generation in Arlington, Texas. And I know that a few of you guys made your way out to Arlington to support him. And um, I, I, I got back some very positive messages. And so I'm ready to be blessed. And, um, and I believe that God is going to use you in a mighty way. But um, I, I just want you all to know know that, um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the future, but I think that we should spend a little more time focusing on the present. Um, I, I know that I'm, I'm a younger guy. I know that Gary is even younger, um, and, and Jeremy's even younger than that, and Malika's even younger than that, but you see us up here on a consistent basis, uh, just seeking and striving after God and, and, and wanting to share the blessings he has shared with us. And so when we look around this church and we see older folks all the way down to really young folks, um, this is what the church looks like. It looks like intergenerational ministry. And um, I, I know that that has been your experience in Arlington, and, and I know that you've, um, you've, you've shared a number of things with me, and you're helping to bring some of that here um, as, as well. So when you see Gary after, after this message, come and say hi. Um, he doesn't bite, as far as I know. No. Um, he's, 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 he's a friendly guy. He's, he's, he's outgoing. But I, I think that what you are going to see here in this message is that God is working in his life. And even though Gary doesn't know all the answers, he doesn't see everything perfectly clear. I mean, who of us does? Um, he's willing to lean and, and, and trust in God. So um, as, you, as you talk to us a little bit about keeping on, um, I, I, I pray that the Lord speaks through you this morning. Awesome. Uh, just to clarify, though, TJ, I'm the I'm not the Gary they talked to about VBS. Just want to make sure that was clarified. Yeah. There. Yeah. There's that disconnect. Yeah. It's the other Gary for VBS, but for now, at least, we'll see what happens. Awesome. Yeah. For now. For now. Awesome. Well, thank you, TJ, for that introduction. Uh, once again, my name is Gary Matthew Livingston. I love to go by all three because it's a strong, strong name. It's. Uh, uh, but um, it took TJ all of eight months to get me up here, and it took my home church over a decade. So I don't know what you guys got going on here in Edmond, but he's a, he's amazing, and it's been an honor to get to talk to you guys today. So, um, But I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself, talk about my journey growing up in the Adventist church, um, what kept me, what matters, what shouldn't, and what I'm proud of. Uh, but I'd love to pray first, so you guys will close your eyes, bow your heads with me. God, I just ask that you uh, bless today's service. Uh, we've already been blessed and let it continue to bless someone. Lord, I just ask that you uh, bless the words that come out of my mouth. Help it to guide somebody uh, who's in need of hope, maybe who's fearful. Um, it, it, scripture says where two or more are gathered, you are there, Lord. So we know you're here already. Uh, please just be with us the rest of the way. Amen. All right. So I do want to take a second and acknowledge, um, well, first, tell you a little bit about what I do and why I'm in Oklahoma City. So I work for a company called Booster Enterprises. We are an educational, uh, elementary education fundraising company. Um, and they told me, hey, we've got a spot for you in OKC. We'd love it if you jumped on that opportunity. So I currently reside in the Chisholm Creek area with my dog, and I get to work with some pretty amazing people. These a picture of a few of them up there. Um, those are just some of the friendly, fun faces I get to work with, and I work with them uh, year in and year out. Um, but, um, I want to acknowledge some people that are here that made the journey the opposite direction across the red river. 
Um, my parents and my grandparents, they got the, they come, they came up here to support me today. Um, so a little bit about me is I'm the oldest of seven grandkids on my mother's side of the family. And being the oldest, you get to set some standards, right? You get to start out, uh, some things. So my grandmother, for some odd reason, yes, I'm calling you out. She has no idea I was talking about her today. Uh, for some reason, unbeknownst to any of us, we have no Russian blood in us anywhere, but she wanted to be called babuska as for grand, that's grandmother. Um, and so as a little infant, I'm the one that got to start calling her babuska. However, if you think about it, a little child trying to come up with their ABCs, maybe can't say babuska. And so it came out boo over and over again, boo, 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 boo. And so luckily it stopped at boo-boo and she became known as boo-boo to everyone in the world after that. So for the past 20, almost 26 years, she's been boo-boo to everyone she meets. So she'll be boo-boo to all of you today after the service as well. And I tell you this because it's her that introduced us to the Adventist church. So we, uh, we started attending um, the DeSoto church. It's a very, very small Adventist church in DeSoto, Texas. Um, she took me there um, and I started to hang out with some amazing people. Uh, went to a VBS actually and was building a birdhouse and would come home singing uh, things like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine and Jesus loves me. And uh, for my mom growing up in a non-Adventist home, um, she was like, what is, what is going on? What is this about? Um, and this was in 1999. So for those of you that may have been Adventist back then, you know that 1999 was a big Daniel seminar push and movement. And therefore, uh, my grandma and my grandfather and my parents and a couple of my aunts and uncles and myself, we all jumped in and we joined the Adventist church in 1999. Um, and that's when they, lo- they learned to discover uh, the love of Jesus and all that he brings to us. Uh, for myself, it took a little bit longer to truly understand that, but I'm getting ahead of myself there. Um, I did attend this church in a very formative time in my life, and it, but it served its purpose for all of us. For my parents, it gave them that foundation that they needed to establish a Christian household, and they, gave, they got some lifelong friends that ended up being our neighbors for a few years, and then down the road, we have ran into them at random places like Disney World along the way. As for me, I learned about Jesus. I learned about camping. I learned about what was important, what wasn't. I also learned some things that stuck with me to today. So for instance, one thing that I learned at a very young age was take your hat off when you enter the sanctuary. And I'm not gonna lie, I still do it to this day. And I'll go to some young adult services around Oklahoma City or back down in Texas. And I'll see people with their hats on in the sanctuary. And I'm like, I know it doesn't matter, but it kind of does. I also learned never let your Bible touch the ground. So I put a notebook underneath it if I do have to put it on the floor, or I make sure it's in a chair holding my seat. It was these little things that they may not matter to some people, but to me, they did matter because of where I grew up and how I was raised. And I remember that it's just showing respect for, for, for God and for what you've learned. So by 2006, again, that was 1999, um, in 2006, um, the church that we called home, we had kind of grow, outgrown it at that time, right? I became a little bit older. I was 12 at that time. Uh, my parents were having another one, which is a, my little brother who's now 12. Um, they were having another kid. We were growing in it. The seasons in our life had changed, but we wanted to keep on learning about our faith. We wanted to keep on in that time of our lives. And so we started looking around and what we found was a church 
that helped us to keep on growing in our faith. It was the younger generation church at, in Arlington, Texas, at the Adventist Arlington Church. It was founded in 2004 by Mike Tucker of Faith for Today Ministries and Richie Preeze, who was the young adult pastor there, and his son helped him, as well, as well as a handful of other young adults who now I'm actually older than when they started it, which is really, really crazy for me to think about. When we found it, that church was two and a half years old, YG Church, as it came to be known. And I got to attend that for the past 14 years, and I'll be 26 uh, in April. So I got to spend the majority of my, all of my teens and the mid, a lot of the mid-20s in that time. Um, and so that was nearly 14 years ago. And I think sometimes we can forget how far we've come since 2006. So I actually, I think every good sermon has fun facts. So I've got a list of fun facts that talk about it. So for instance, in 2006, the iPhone hadn't been released yet. Crocs and Heelys were popular. Does anybody remember Heelys, right? Those are just on your heel, you ride like skates through the hallways. Um, You couldn't go anywhere without hearing Bad Day on the radio by Daniel Powder. The first tweet ever was sent in 2006. Facebook was made available to everyone, not just college students. Think about that. I think everybody and their grandma has a Facebook now, and it used to be just for college students in 2005 and before that. My, one of my personal favorites of 2006 was Miami was Miami robbed the Dallas Mavericks of an NBA title. It's true. You can look that up. It is statistical fact that there was referees that did not do their job correctly. Uh, we had just been introduced through the Disney Channel to Hannah Montana, right? Now we know her as Miley Cyrus, or maybe you don't know her. That's okay, too. CSI was the top drama on television. It was in its sixth or seventh season at that time. It was the top drama, and it changed television as we know it today, I believe. Um, And then my personal favorite, all along those lines, was also Disney Channel released on a Friday night as a Disney Channel original movie uh, about basketball and musicals, and it was known as High School Musical, and it launched the careers of people like Zac Efron, Vanessa Hudgens, and they had two sequels, including the first ever Disney Channel original to go into the movie theaters. So I say that just so we can remember that time, right? Remember the era, because we've come a long way. We're already in 2020. That's over 14 years ago. Um, But when we walked into YG Church, I didn't have a clue on the journey that I would be taken on through Christ and the people that he'd bring into my life. All I knew is that I belonged there. It wasn't the drums. It wasn't the lights. It wasn't the worship service, the worship set that kept me there. What mattered was those people and that feeling that I belonged. It was the love of Jesus that I talked about my parents finding in 1999 that I found in 2006 through some people. And in Arlington, we have this uh, motto, I would say it is, and we've, we've had sermon series over it and it keeps bring, being brought up, but it's every mentor, every member of mentor, right? So it doesn't matter if you're nine or 90, you can mentor somebody, but you can also be a mentee of somebody. And so I actually found five 20-something-year-old gentlemen um, at that time um, that kind of stand out the most through that journey. A few of them are pictured here in this picture. Um, I'll go in order just to kind of make sure that this goes longer than the nine minutes that it went in Arlington. Uh, I know we got we want to make sure that we go a little longer than nine minutes. I, so in the first picture, that is um, a group from the band. Uh, we've got uh, Greg Botla, who I'll talk in more detail in a second, 
um, I asked him to, to pray over me at a teen dedication. So I'm 12, 13 uh, in that first photo. We've got a couple of the band members in the background. Uh, the middle picture is me actually running a soundboard at an event that we do every October called Shindig, uh, which ultimately, a few years down the line, um, the guy that's standing in the middle picture with me, I would take on his role and put on that event entire, in its entirety. Um, and that gentleman is named Ryan Gill, and I'll talk. He's one of those five that I mentioned uh, that were in their 20-somethings. Uh, the guy that I'm dressed just alike uh, with, he became my fashion icon, as you can see from that photo. Um, his name is Brooks Priest, so he was one of the ones that um, helped start, launch YG Church and, and gave me that sense of direction when it came to fashion, um, as you can see in that photo. Uh, the bottom left um, is a gentleman named Adrian Riojas. I'm going to jump right past him for a second because he played a pivotal role in all of my uh, up and up upbringing um, and then in the middle is, uh, the, the, the last two pictures, the middle one is Richie Priest. So he was the YG pastor uh, from 2004 until, um, until he left. And then the pastor right next to him uh, in the next photo is Alan Martin, who is currently uh, the pastor of YG. He's been, over, he's been there for um, a little over 10 years um, now, and he has been leading the way. He went to uh, Growing Young seminars, and he's helping out with the NAD uh, the National American Division, and he just got back from Australia too. So um, he has been leading the YG Church, and that's actually him. Uh, he rededicated me uh, in in 2004, uh, 2014 through baptism. Um, again, I was baptized in 99 with my folks, um, but uh, a little bit later on, uh, I wanted to rededicate my life to Christ as I came to know his love. Um, so a couple of those people that I mentioned, Greg Botla, um, he's going to be the one on the right in this photo. Uh, and then Ryan Gill, he's on the left in this photo. Um, this is at our 15-year celebration. So YG just turned 15 last year. Um, so uh, we have, uh, we had a great, we put together a, a big, uh, big gala, as they called it. They wanted to make sure it wasn't known as a party. They wanted to make sure it was known as a gala. Um, and so I just wanted to uh, talk about them. So Greg, he was the, um, the youth pastor, um, and he took me under his wing um, immediately had me jumping in and helping out. And eventually he took me into um, the high school uh, ministry as we, as we started it called Underground. And it's now known as U, UG Youth. Um, and it was called Underground because it was actually underneath the sanctuary in the basement uh, area there in Arlington, Texas. And we um, would work on uh, helping out with those high school students and get them kind of in roles where they can take off and launch into uh, a position within YG, maybe being part of the band, being a singer and, and whatnot. Uh, one of those other five gentlemen that's not featured um, who played a pivotal role in getting me to get to know all of these gentlemen uh, was a name Christian Scalix. And when I was 12, the first by the third week uh, that we had started attending Arlington, he grabbed me and said, hey, I need you to move this speaker and left me to do it. Um, he trusted me uh, at a very early age to uh, to help out and to do a, a part in the service. And he gave me that sense of belonging. Um, Ryan Gill was right there with him as well. He got me involved. He got me volunteering. He had me leading events for him. He had me uh, working security at concerts and also running cameras um, through our online media ministry. So I felt again that sense of belonging, that purpose, and I wanted to see why. Why, right? These these gentlemen, why are they doing this? It's because they were showing me Jesus's love. Uh, this guy. I skipped over him a second ago, but I can't skip him at all. Um, his name is Adrian Rojas, and he became uh, the big brother that I never wanted, but that, ended, that I ended up getting. Um, and he is uh, right between, he's in that sweet spot, right between my, my age and my parents' age. So it was like, oh, this is like the guy that I can talk to when I can't talk to my parents. He's the one that checks up on me uh, and then relays it, all the information back to them, I'm sure, uh, in the past. 
Uh, and we also nearly share a birthday too. So we get to celebrate April together. Uh, the end of April is always fun for us. Um, he also recruited me to attend the university that I went to. Um, so I went to the University of North Texas um, in Denton, Texas, and he went there. And, and for a while, my aunt was trying to encourage me to go there. And I was like, I don't want to go there because she wanted me to live with her at her house. And when you want to go be a freshman in college, you don't want to live with your family. And uh, ultimately, she moved. And then that's when I jumped in on that chance. Uh, and Adrian uh, made sure that we got to the football games and we got to church and we got uh, we just had fun. And he showed me all the ropes of the University of North Texas. Um, but his final word of encouragement is actually... Uh, what pushed me to accept that job with Booster to come to Oklahoma City. Um, it, was, it was his encouragement of, yes, you can always come home, but go and do this and be where you need to be now in this time. Um, so that's just a sample of the influence um, that these men had in my life. Uh, they may or may not realize today, because I no longer follow them around necessarily, that they still play a factor um, because I'm watching them, right? Every mem- member or mentor, I'm watching them as they interact with their wives, as they interact with others, and as they raise their 2.5 kids. So I'd like to pause here, and we'll go back to reading that scripture, um, Matthew 7, 7. That's what we're going to go over today, talking about per- uh, perseverance and keeping on. So Matthew 7, 7 reads, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And verse 8 goes on and continues. It says, for everyone who asks, receives Everyone who seeks, find, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. And that's from the NLT version. Um, And I like that version specifically because it says keep on. Um, And I read that, and I think back to that season of when we were looking for that family. We were looking for a place of belonging. We were looking to keep on going uh, in our journey. Um, And I guarantee that my mom was praying for us to find those mentors and friends that we found uh, throughout that time at YG. But I also read that and I can't help but think when you ask, when you ask, you will receive, right? When you ask it. But that's not necessarily true because in today's society, we have Instagram. We've got two-day shipping from Amazon. Grocery stores are now delivering to your house. We have a computer in our pocket for instant gratification and knowledge, right? Who has an iPhone? Just by a show of hands. That's a computer. It does everything that the computers do. We're supposed to be a waiting people, and yet we live for instant satisfaction. So now I'm going to tell you, that was a little background, but now I'm going to tell you about a journey that I went on. Has anybody in here heard of a five-year plan? Does anybody have a five-year plan? Five-year plan, right? So we, we kind of, you're kind of visioning, brainstorming on what you want to see from your life in five years. And we don't realize five years is a long time. One year is a long time. One semester is one half percent of your life. And when you put it down to a percentage, it doesn't sound like that. But a six-month period is a long period of time. So to plan a five-year plan, things can change. Things can go crazy. But for me, I was like, no, that's fine. I'm going to take care of this. I've got a five-year plan. Uh, the plan entailed five steps. Five, five years, but I really wanted to accomplish it in three. And this was right out of college. So I was 22 years old or so. Those five steps, it was, I wanted to have a job. I wanted to get a dog, buy a house, find a wife and have a kid. It's easy. We can do that five years, but I'm going to shrink it down to three because I think I'm capable of doing that. I'm here to tell you, man plans and God laughs. 
So a little over three years ago, uh, we're coming up on about three and a half years at this time. Uh, I was engaged to a girl, ironically enough, from Oklahoma City. We met in college. And in a time that was supposed to be a happy time in my life, I actually entered the hardest stretch of my life so far. Now, earlier I left out a detail, but I am a loyalist to a fault, almost to my own detriment. My biggest weakness when they ask me in interviews or when they ask me, what is your biggest weakness? It is an inachievable, unattainable desire to never let anyone down. Let me rephrase that. Let me say it again. Inachievable, unattainable desire to never let anyone that has invested in me down. And I care deeply for those people, right? And I know this is my weakness, and I know that it is inachievable, unattainable, but I want to be the best at it. I want to make sure I'm not letting those people down. And so when I love someone, I'm going to love them to no end, and I'm going to trust them right away. And so I would say that I definitely rushed most of my decisions for that five-year plan. But I felt this internal pressure because of the family that I had around me, because of the mentors that I had around me. I felt this internal pressure to get married after college. I had a job, so the logical thing in my five-year plan was we got to find that wife, we got to get married. I had the job. I didn't have the dog yet, which that was okay. Um, But I'm here to say today, thank God that that didn't happen. Thank God that I didn't get married. You see, there's a difference in asking for a door to open and breaking the door down yourself. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to break down a door that I hadn't even asked God to open for me. Didn't sit in prayer on it, rush the decision, spent half of the relationship with this woman that I was with when I was over studying abroad and we were literally Skyped rather than getting to know her as a friend. I attempted to force a door open and God being just, he allowed, to, he allowed me to walk through that door, right? But that came with pain, that came with suffering, but it came with a lot of wisdom as well. He also made a path to the other side of the door and that I was able to exit out. Six months after proposing, she broke up with me. She gave me a number of reasons as to why, but as I drove away, I remember sitting at a stop sign in my truck. There's a Taco Bell on my right. There's a Whataburger in front of me, and there's the Highway 35 to my left. But I remember sitting there, and as I'm waiting for, to cross the street, this weight just lifts from my shoulders. It's like no feeling I've ever had before. Haven't had it since. Never felt it before. This weight just lifted from my shoulders, and I knew that I could breathe again. And I knew that God, he's not going to give us just anything that we want. It has to fall into his plan and not ours. So remember Matthew 7, 7, it says to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It doesn't say ask and it'll be answered. Seek and it'll be found. Knock and it'll be opened. Keep, the definition of keep in this instance means to continue in a specified condition, position, or course. You see, I wanted instant gratification So I attempted to break down a door that I had no business even knocking on in the first place because I was not ready to knock on it. But the door that I did walk through during that time were the ones that led to a stage much like this one, right? I walked through those doors of the Arlington Church. I ran to those people. I sought wisdom and comfort from the relationships I had built because I knew 
that that was where I belonged. I knew where my roots were. I knew where I could come back to, to find those people that would take care of me. I had people that loved me and I knew that Jesus was still there. Today, we'll talk about the picture in a second, but today I've come to realize that those doors that God opens for me are not going to be the exact same ones for you or for my parents or for my brother or for my friends. And I'm learning to be okay with that. For instance, my brother is in the steps. He's in step three or four of my five-year plan. He's got a wife. They've got a kid on the way. I'm gonna be an uncle in August, which is super exciting. And I can look at them and he's younger than me. He's my age of where I, where I was when I proposed. And I'm thinking to myself, I wasn't ready for it. I'm glad that he is. But there's no way I would be, I would want to be a parent of a three-year-old when I'm barely a parent to myself right now. So is it easy? No, it's not easy. But God doesn't call for it to be easy, right? He calls for us to go out of our comfort zone. He's also got that sense of humor that I mentioned, right? He opened the door, the door that he did ultimately open for me after, after a short time period of needing to find some place or needing to find work or getting a promotion. The door that he opened and it had a giant flashing neon sign that said, move here, was a door to Oklahoma City of all places. The last place in the world I ever thought I would be after that breakup. So day in and day out, these are the people that I get to work with now. These are some of my best friends. They've come, we've become really close. Um, my boss, this was on a trip. Uh, we got to go to San Diego. Um, no, sorry, Palm Springs. We went to San Diego the week, the year before that. We went to Palm Springs this past uh, December to celebrate all that we did. And I wouldn't have had as much fun had I not made that trip and made that move to Oklahoma City. But before I did that, I consulted with those closest to my heart, the ones that had helped me through that tough time, the ones that reminded me I will always have a place to belong here, right, within the church. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter if it's in Arlington or if it's here in Edmond. God built up my character with perseverance, and he continues to give me hope as I seek and I knock on the doors that he provides for me. I knock on the ones that are provided Some of them he opened. Some of them will always stay closed. But some, he's going to open when I'm ready. And I'm I'm okay with that. We're figuring it out as we go. When I forced the door open, I struck out. But since taking taking a step back to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, I'm doing all right. Like I mentioned, I have that amazing job with some amazing people here. And I've got a dog now, so it's okay. I'm, I'm part of the way there to my five-year plan. Five-step plan is more like it. And it's come full circle because I found you guys, a small church, much like we found in 1999. Now, there are no cheat codes to get through life, but there is this book to help guide us, right? There's the Bible to help guide us. It's got all the answers that we need, right? Just like there's no one way to write a sermon. So as TJ mentioned, I wrote this sermon back in November-ish, early December. Um, And then TJ was like, hey, if you're going to do it there, would you like to do it here? And so I sought advice from him, but I also sought advice from Alan Martin. And they're wired differently, right? Alan wanted to know what everything was. And he wanted the title almost a month in advance. And TJ gave me the advice of don't get trapped by a title write the sermon, write the note cards, then come up with the title. Alan Martin 
He didn't like that idea very much, but luckily I came up with a real simple title of Keep On. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, because Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. Whether it's a breakup, unemployment, unemployment, cancer, or something in between, he is there waiting. This is my story so far. There's still much to be written. There are still many doors to be knocked on, to open or to keep closed. There's ones that I'm currently knocking on, and there's some that I've already shut. But I do know one thing to be true. I'll continue to keep on wherever he leads, wherever he sends me, wherever he shows me that I belong. And just like any great sermon, I actually added a few things since we left Arlington. So I've actually got some so what questions for you. Not homework, but if you want to maybe just evaluate where you're at. So what does this all mean? What can you do? Well, I've got a couple questions. I want to know, what door are you knocking on? More importantly, what door have you maybe broken yourself? And what are you doing to fix it? To follow that up, what are you seeking? Are you seeking a connection with God, surrendering to him to open the right doors? I would say it goes to even as far as what kind of music do you listen to outside of church? I know for me, I've started listening to just exclusive worship music when I'm not at work, and it's, it's been amazing. Are you truly waiting, or are you just going through the motions? For me, I wasn't truly waiting. I pretended to be waiting, but I was always looking. I was always trying to find. I was trying to make that five-step plan, that five-year plan, a reality. And then, because we live in that world of instant satisfaction, instant gratification, when was the last time you waited for anything longer than 30 minutes? Anything longer than a day, a week, a year? And I'm not talking about food at a restaurant. I'm not talking about a, the weekend coming up or a vacation you're going on. I'm talking about spiritually. When was the last time you asked for something knowing that you had to wait and then actually waited the time frame until it happened? My family, we started this thing where we do a prayer box every year at New Year's. And for me, the past three years that I've written into it, my prayers have been very similar, very much in line with what I've talked about today. And this past year, when I wrote mine for a fourth year in a row, it was, it was running down the same street. It was going the same direction, and I literally stopped writing, ran outside, went on a mile run to just clear my head and realize and talk to God and say, that's not what I wanted to write this year, and I rewrote it, and I'm really excited to find out next year how it comes to be, and my last question for you is once you determine what door you are knocking on, are you fighting that need for instant gratification, right? Are you praying more? Are you going to Bible study? Are you seeking guidance from those around you, those that you know, those that have helped you on those hard times? Thank y'all. I'd love to pray for everybody before we head out. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Lord, we just ask that in this time of a world, we have instant satisfaction, instant gratification for everything that we do. We just ask that you help us to remember to keep on seeking you, keep on knocking, keep on asking. But we ask that You give us the ability to wait on your timeline. Lord, please be with us as we go about the rest of our Sabbath day. Thank you for the Sabbath day. Lord, we ask that we get to have a restful day and that we get to enjoy. Please bless the food. Amen.